Ciao amici. Welcome to Cinema Italiano, the podcast dedicated to the Italian experience as told by film. Today, we'll be talking about Paolo Virzi's 2013 film Il Capitale Umano, or Human Capital. But first, as a couple of news items, the Golden Globes have announced their nominations for the 2021 awards, and among the nominees include Eduardo Ponti's La Vita de Vantiasse, or The Life Ahead, starring Sophia Loren. This film is nominated for two awards, Best Foreign Language Film and Best Song for Yo Si. What's kind of interesting about the fact that it's nominated for Best Foreign Language Film is that Italy's official submission for Best International Feature Film at the Oscars was Gianfranco Rosi's Notturno rather than The Life Ahead. So the fact that The Life Ahead is nominated and not Notturno, the one Italy had submitted, might not be a great sign that Notturno will score very well at awards shows for the rest of the season. Furthermore, the shortlists for several Oscar categories have just been announced. Shortlists are almost like pre-nominations, where it'll be a whittled-down list of the eligible contenders in a specific category, um, and this can range from maybe 10, 15, 20 nominees, and out of those selections, the Academy members can vote to land on that final number of nominees, typically around five or so. Among the shortlist nominees this year, for Best International Feature Film, Italy's Notturno is not even listed, so that one did not make the shortlist. However, Notturno did make the shortlist for Best Documentary Feature, as well as The Truffle Hunters. The Life Ahead is also on the shortlist for two categories, for Best Original Score, as well as for Best Original Song, you'll see the same song that's nominated for at the Golden Globes. And then for Best Makeup and Hairstyling, on the shortlist is Matteo Garona's Pinocchio. So we have four Italian feature films that made the Oscars shortlist. We have Notturno, The Truffle Hunters, The Life Ahead, and Pinocchio. Notturno has recently been made available via virtual cinemas, so you're able to see it that way. And then The Life Ahead has been available on Netflix since, I think, November 2020. So that one you're able to watch today. And then Matteo Gorman's Pinocchio is coming to home video mid-March. So that one should be available and accessible to watch soon as well. And then The Truffle Hunters should come available to virtual cinemas in early March. Um, so I keep an eye out for that to be able to see that as well. And then the last piece of news for this episode is the Berlinale Film Festival in Berlin just announced their official lineup for this year. And in the special selection, we have a new documentary by Pietro Marcello called Per Lucio, or literally For Lucio, which is a documentary about the singer Lucio Dalla. If it's anything like Pietro Marcello's other documentaries, this one will be a very creative, potentially non-linear take on this figure. But what his movies always have in common is their they're endlessly fascinating, imaginative ways of approaching his subjects. I look forward to seeing this one and hope it becomes available to see in the U.S. very soon.
then, moving on to today's film, Human Capital, kind of the best way to approach it is to think of it in terms of its three lead characters. It's a pretty complex narrative centered around three different figures. First is Dino Osala, a middle-class real estate agent, and he has a chance encounter with Giovanni Bernaschi, an upper-class hedge fund manager. Dino sees this Dino sees this meeting as an opportunity to strike big and invests everything into the Bernaschi's hedge fund. The second lead character is Carla Bernaschi, who's the wife of Giovanni, and she's often sidelined and ignored by her husband as well as her son Massimiliano. She stumbles upon an abandoned theater and tries to save it. She asks her husband for financial support and builds up a board of directors to revitalize this local artistic space. And then the third lead is Serena Osala, the daughter of Dino, who has broken up with Massimiliano, the son of Carla. She still finds herself entangled in Massimiliano's life, even as she starts a new romance with the troubled, lower-class young man named Luca. The layers and underlying tensions for each of these characters reach a fever pitch with the mysterious death of a waiter whose body is discovered one night after he's hit by a car. A chain of events and consequences that follows spirals their aspirations into new and challenging directions. Human capital is set in Milano, Italy's financial and industrial hub, which is an appropriate choice of setting given the recurring devices of finance, investment, and liquidity. As a financial-slash-insurance term, human capital is the monetary value of a person's skills, knowledge, and competencies. It places a tangible financial value on what a person is worth. In the film's epilogue, human capital is discussed in terms of life insurance upon somebody's loss. But it also plays a role during the individual's lifetime, as different priorities and drives are driven by the monetary value posited by each character. Human capital as a concept comes up most explicitly through the, the death of the cyclist. In the film's epilogue, it kind of lays out the value of his life and what the insurance companies agreed to pay his family based on his remaining life expectancy, the skills he'd acquired through his lifetime, and essentially how much he was worth. But this also applies beyond a character's death and extends to how much is each character worth while they're still living in the use of humans themselves as literal capital. A few months after Dino initially invests in Giovanni's hedge fund, Giovanni confesses that the portfolio value has sunk about 90%. Dino has had to pull out a loan in order to join the hedge fund in the first place, so he's all but lost everything. He begs Giovanni to be bought out at his original investment level as a sort of break-even. Think of our kids, he pleads to Giovanni, as though the fact that their children, Serena and Massimiliano, are dating is a kind of bargaining chip, creating a deeper bond and allegiance between these two business partners. Dino even takes the idea of using humans as capital even further later in the film, in an attempt to extort from the Bernaskis by delivering evidence to clear Massimiliano's name. He demands a financial sum as well as a kiss from Carla. She complies, but not without insulting him afterwards, making it clear that this is strictly a transaction and nothing more. Using humans as capital goes both ways, though. Giovanni as hedge fund manager, is initially very friendly and inviting to Dino, asking him to join in their tennis match and plays the role of a friend and buddy 
possibly mentor figure to Dino. Once he's in and the papers are signed, though, Giovanni turns cold and aloof. He no longer has time for Dino anymore, taking the friendship for granted and not following up on their appointments. Giovanni privately refers to Dino as a moron to Carla, solidifying that there's no friendship there. Dino is mere cash flow. This is a good segue to some of the other recurring themes that appear throughout the film. One of the major ones is that of investment itself and balancing out risk with reward. Kind of the first way this manifests is in Dino manifesting in the hedge fund. He hears about an enticing offer of a 40% return on his investment. But Dino at the time does not have the liquid means to join in. He fakes his way into getting a loan, using his house as collateral, to acquire a loan of 700000 to to contribute to that hedge fund. As the film unfolds, of course, we see that this does not pay off for Dino, as the hedge fund managers bet in the wrong direction, and the portfolio value sinks about 90%. Dino has all but lost everything. Kind of the second example of this is with Carla and her pursuit of renovating the theater. She stumbles upon the Politeama Theater and stops by, where she learns that it will likely be demolished to make room for more commercial prospects, apartments, a supermarket, or even a bank. The building itself is falling apart, and she's warned that she's in there at her own risk. The theater project becomes a manifestation of her own dreams and pitfalls, as she gets her husband's buy-in to support her as a gift, which he makes clear. He does not call it an investment. She also gathers an advisory board of directors and plans out the theater's programming with artistic director Donato Russomano. When Giovanni's hedge funds hit dire straits, though, he admits to Carla that they'll have to sell the theater space. Feeling powerless, she consummates a brief affair with Donato without telling him that the theater project is over. The next day, Giovanni tells Carla that their initial forecasts were wrong and they'll continue to need more capital. The only way out is to keep investing and selling the theater. Carla, now facing the reality that her dreams of saving the theater are over, breaks off the affair with Donato. Her risks, both as a businesswoman and in pursuing her heart, don't pay off. Who does seem to find reward from her risk, though, is Serena, Dino's daughter. As the film begins, she's already breaking up with Massimiliano, the Bernaschi's son, who's someone who could be considered a good match, given his financial and academic status. She meets Luca, a charming though troubled young man carrying out a sentence for drug possession, and she takes on the risk of pursuing her feelings for him. Through all the turmoil and tragedy of the film's third act, this does pay off for her, and in the film's final moments, we see them reunited and happy in one another's company. This is an investment that did provide positive returns for her. As a film so centered on wealth and status, class naturally plays a big part as well. We see three clear strata of class represented through the film. We have the upper class, which includes the Bernaschi family of Giovanni, Carla, and Massimiliano. We have the middle class, the Osala family, with Dino, his girlfriend Roberta, and his daughter Serena. And then we have the lower class, including Luca, his uncle Davide, as well as the many nameless workers we see throughout the film. The waiter who's killed early on. The Bernaschi's chauffeur. The countless cooks, butlers, and drivers who escort everyone around. A quality that 
really all of the lower class characters seem to have in common is an openness about talking about their need for money. The waiter early on in the film comments to a colleague, see you next Monday, paycheck. He sees life, he's expressing life in terms of income. He's possibly living paycheck to paycheck. Much later in the film, when Serena meets Davide, he tells her, unprompted, that their income is from monthly payouts from Luca's mother's insurance. Perhaps it's a sign of being comfortable, unashamed of their socioeconomic standing, and it could also be an assumption that they're all in the same boat, they're among friends, and it's safe to talk about those kinds of things. In contrast, though, the middle-class Dino Osala lies to the Bernaschi family multiple times. In their initial meeting, when Carla quickly introduces herself, but she's rushing out the door, she apologizes that she doesn't have much time to stick around. Dino replies that he's also got a hardcore day ahead of him. Carla gets in the car and drive Carla gets in the car and drives off, while Dino wanders aimlessly around the property. Clearly he doesn't have anything important to do. Shortly after, he meets Giovanni, learns of the hedge fund investment opportunity, and puts up airs about his means to contribute. He essentially commits fraud by telling Giovanni that he can meet the investment threshold requirement. He might see deception as necessary to gain acceptance and confidence from the upper class, all in order to get ahead. And then in contrast, the bluntness from the lower class could reflect a sense of hopelessness or an apathetic understanding that it is what it is, and there's no upward mobility for them. They might not feel the need to lie like Dino does if they feel like they can't get anywhere further in life. Taking class relations and human capital at a bird's eye view, it's noticeable that the middle class has contact with both the upper and lower classes, though the upper and lower classes hardly mix, other than out of necessity or by happenstance. Dino, as a middle class man, is looking upward seeing the potential returns from their Bernaschi hedge fund as a lift up, possibly out of his tiny office and more into the palazzos he so enjoys the pleasures of. When he extorts the Bernaschi parents later in the film, this act of cruelty blended with desperation is all the more troubling as it seems so out of character. This pathetic man demanding a kiss from Carla seems a far cry from the buffoonish, though seemingly good-hearted dad dropping off Serena in the film's earliest moments. Does he see the behavior of Giovanni as the role he needs to assume in order to get ahead? Or is this sudden turn a natural manifestation of his own drive and self-preservation? His class standing also enables him the agency of passing for someone of higher status. We know, as the viewer, that he's not on the same level of the millionaires he's playing tennis with, but he's able to play that part well enough. The sheer logistical freedom to spend his time roaming the Bernaschi's house, not having to clock into a blue-collar job, gives him the space and time to fit into whatever role he needs to. His daughter Serena enjoys a similar power, though throughout the film she leans more to the opposite side of the strata. She's seen what the upper-class lifestyle can offer, through her ex-boyfriend Massimiliano and his parents. She turns away from that world in favor of the honesty and authenticity of Luca. For much of the film, she's in a literal costume, her prep school uniform, sitting her in the mold of Massimiliano and their wealthy friends, but she's able to shed that image and dress down when she so chooses. Even when visiting Luca, she's in her regular attire and waits to change into her school uniform until she's heading out from his place. 
she is able to comfortably occupy all three spaces, that of lower, middle, and upper class, with seemingly little hesitation. The source material for Human Capital is an American novel of the same name, by Stephen Amidon, published in 2004 and set in 2001, right after the dot-com bubble burst. For this film adaptation, the setting is moved to 2010 Italy, in the midst of a global economic recession that started in 2008. The hedge fund manager Giovanni even mentions that his fund's wealth is generated by betting against the Italian market, meaning focusing on stocks of low value that were dumped or simply lacked demand. Set in a climate when regulation tightened and the Italian market began to recover overall, this focus by a hedge fund manager to bet against rising stocks in favor of falling ones causes prospective up-and-coming investors like Dino to lose by following the direction of those in power, arguably those who restarted the recession in the first place. The elliptical nature of the stock market, ebbing and flowing but nonetheless constant, is content that pairs well with the form human capital takes as a narrative. Shifting between two distinct timelines, one in the summer and one winter 2010, between three major characters but also hitting those in between, the story is like a portfolio of different players, some weak, some strong, but all in motion and trapped within a spiral of speculation and vacuity. Capital was director Paolo Virzi's 11th film. The year it came out, it earned seven David Di Donatello awards, including Best Film, Best Script, Best Actress for Valeria Bruni Tedeschi, Best Supporting Actor for Fabrizio Gifuni, and Best Supporting Actress for Valeria Golino. In particular, Valeria Bruni Tedeschi is a standout in her role as Carla. Her performance is one of a striking suppression in a portrayal of a woman with far more potential than anyone seems to notice. She smiles almost automatically, always accommodating and cordial, despite going unnoticed and undervalued by those around her. In particular, the sequences around renovating the Politeama Theater, desperately trying to win her husband's approval, then facing a lashing at the first board of directors meeting. She is often confronted and forced to bite her tongue, but through her eyes, you can see her taking it in and strategizing her next move. In fact, I found Tedeschi's performance reminded me a lot of Pasqualina Scuncia's performance as Santa in Alice Rohrwacher's Corpo Celeste as another suppressive performance. Santa is the confirmation teacher taken for granted by the students, her colleagues, as well as the priest. The pain and disappointment as her ideas and works are dismissed are painful, touching, and we can't help but feel empathetic for her, just as the beaten down Carla is here in Human Capital. I would absolutely recommend this film. Its plot structure is a mystery not only to solve, but a masterclass in drive and motivation. Once the narrative events, once the narrative elements are revealed and made clear, 
The more interesting part is why the characters are acting as they do. Thanks for listening. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, follow us on social media, and until next time, ciao amici.